0: Welcome back to this week's episode of Husky Talk. We're your hosts, Mark DeMarion and Emily. This week we'll be interviewing the recent winner of the Yukon Quest. Please welcome to the show, Brent Sass. Hello, Brent. How was your day? Been going?
1: Yeah, it's very good. How about yourself?
0: Good. Thank you for being on our show today. Yep. Before we start, <laughs> before we start our interview with you, we are going since test year I did a knowledge. We have five I did a rod two for you. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. Who won the first Iditarod?
1: Who won the first rod Wow, you guys are gonna get me on this. Uh Ooh, yeah. uh, I don't know, was his first name Dick? Yes.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's last name, I it's, it's I'm I'm missing it's it's the start with a W.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yes,
1: it does. I don't know the last name of the guy, it, but I, I can see his picture.
0: It's Wilmarth.
1: Willm yep, there you go. I was close.
0: Yeah. Who has one of the most Iditarods?
1: Uh, that is Rick Swenson. He's my neighbor, so I know him.
0: Well, that's cool. Who founded that dieterod? rod? <sighs>
1: Uh, Joey, uh, Joe Reddington Sr.
0: Yes. How many dogs can a musher start with, with this year?
1: Uh, 14. They took two away from previous years.
0: What is the name of the award given to the musher that finishes last?
1: The Red Lantern.
0: Good job. Now, now we are going to move on to the main part of our show. Congrats on winning the Yukon Quest.
1: Thank you. It was a really good race.
0: First, we just wanted to tell, want to let our, our listeners know that the Yukon Quest is a thousand mile sled dog race from Whitehorse, Canada to Fairbanks, Alaska. Can you tell us how to, how you, prepared for this race
1: uh yeah well it takes a lot of preparation I mean the preparation started years ago and I, I uh, decided to breed and raise the dogs that I have all the dogs on my team with the exception of one um I've I chose the breeding, I raised them and trained them their whole life so that's that's where it all begins the biggest thing is the connection and bond that you create with your dog team um, and then this season specifically um, I just trained them and uh, just like you would if you were running a marathon as a human and, and we kind of built up miles throughout the, throughout the season, we started going really short and slow and as the dogs get stronger and stronger we start going longer training runs and doing things that are more um, um, like what we're doing in the Yukon Quest so we train just like we're going to race so I put over 3,000 miles about 3,500 miles on the dogs um from August to uh the start of the race in February um and that conditioned them and got them ready so they can go run that thousand miles in around nine days that we did this year
0: that's cool we see aren't doing that this year
1: not doing the Iditarod this year. No, but I have a really young team, and I didn't run a run, and I don't have a, a lot of dogs in the pool this year, so um, I decided that just running a 1,000-mile race this year would be best for this team, and, and they far exceeded my expectations in the race this year, so I'm really, really excited um, for next season, and, and uh, right now, the plan is to run both the Quest and the Iditarod uh, in 2020.
0: Awesome. We heard that a few years ago you were disqualified from the Identity Rob, and you are to be respected for your response. Can you tell us about what happened that year?
1: Yeah, it was a real bummer. Um, I, I appreciate you guys uh, noticing that and, and respecting me for that. I, you know. It, it, I just used uh, an iPod touch, and unfortunately, because it has Wi-Fi connection, it was considered a two-way device, and they had made it clear that two-way devices were not, like mostly cell phones, were not allowed. Um, And so when that was made uh, aware to me, I, I, you know, it was really the only decision. They made it clear that two-way devices weren't weren't weren't, uh, legal in, in the race, and I just really didn't consider the iPod touch. A two-way communication device, um, and it was a total mistake on my part, and um, and that's why I had to you know, admit to, to making the mistake and and uh, serve the consequences. But it was it was a pretty difficult, uh, pretty difficult situation. But I think the dogs and I bounced back pretty well, and um, yeah, you live and learn. That's 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 what life is all about.
0: We heard you trained with a with the amazing Susan butcher what was it like to train with her
1: um being able to be around susan and and train sled dogs with her uh was was priceless for me in my career you know it was right in the beginning when i just started getting into dogs i was i was pretty young guy i was uh, 21 years old and and uh her influence early on it was kind of at the end of her career with dogs and and uh, so she was kind of getting out of it, but she had just the wealth of knowledge of all the years and experience that she had. She's a four-time winner of the Iditarod, and and being able to like learn all those fundamental skills from from her. Um, was amazing it'd be like learning all your fundamental skills from Michael Jordan if you're a basketball player basically was the equivalent of what I got to do because it was those first few years when you're really impressionable and you don't I was a blank slate I hardly knew anything about sled dogs and so having my first information and those first valuable lessons come from Susan um, was was priceless for me and, and and I know has a lot to do with the success uh, uh, that I've had in my career
0: how do you prepare your dogs for these long races?
1: Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of mental and physical training. The dogs obviously need to be physically trained to uh, have the ability uh, f- for their muscles and their physical abilities to be able to run a 1,000 miles. So like I said earlier... Um, we have to train them and build those miles up and so on that aspect of it we're just putting miles on so their legs and muscles can handle it uh, but even a bigger part is the mental side of it the ability for their for their brain and, and their mental uh, ability to stand up when they're really stressed and they're pushed to the limit like any athlete uh, in the human realm when, when the pressure is on it's your mental ability that kicks in and allows you to deal with those situations so I just try and put the dogs into every possible situation that we could run into in the quest. Going over rivers and mountains and going through water and crossing creeks and climbing up really steep hills and going down really steep hills and, and long, long runs like we'll do on the race. And then camping the same way we do it during the race where we run for 50, 60 miles and camp for four hours as a rest. And I do all the same routine all the way through the season, so that the race is just muscle memory. They understand what they're supposed to do. They know what the routine is. Both the dogs and myself um, have the ability to, to really train that that uh, those processes into our brains. So out there, we're not relying on, on um, ourselves to just make those decisions because we're under lots of sleep deprivation and tired and so if we're just able to do it by instinct um, it makes things a lot easier so really just, just exposing the dogs to everything they could potentially run into um, out there on those races is, is our main goal
0: Can you talk to us about the most difficult obstacle you face in this race? Anyways. Oh man um Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Uh, to be honest with you, uh, usually I'll have, you know, a list
1: of about 15 different things that were really big obstacles and really hard things. But um, like I've said a couple times to people, this race was really a magic carpet ride for me. Um, that's what we always call the race when you have very little problems. The dogs are all doing well and the trail conditions don't seem to bug bugging you. Um, so I had a really, really clean race. But I would say the, some of the biggest challenges were just in that first couple hundred miles because there was um, some big, big uh, changes. There was some bad trail conditions and we had to not start with as many dogs and then we had to put the dogs in the truck Uh, after the first hundred miles and truck them to the next place and that whole big change was was pretty um unknown and, and there was some stress involved with how the dogs had reacted getting in the truck and then getting back out of the truck um, and then I was also relying on a lot of uh, help from my handlers who had to take care of the dogs that weren't in the team for those first couple hundred miles and then those dogs got inserted into the team so there was a lot of variables in the race this year because of that but um, in the end that was probably my biggest worry and the biggest stress I had but in the end both uh, the dogs and my handler crew and I dealt with it all really well and, and that's what gave us the real edge in the beginning was we had a real smooth first 200 miles with all those changes so I'd say that the, the changes in the race structure in the beginning of the race were my my biggest challenges.
0: Have you ever been injured out on the trail?
1: Um, yes um, my biggest injury was uh, in 2014 um, I was about 120 miles from the finish line and um, I was really exhausted I was running in second place at the time, and, and um, we were having a really good race, but I had um, I had worn myself out, and I fell asleep on the sled and fell straight back on a, <clears throat> on a real icy section on, on a lake on the trail, and I, I got a concussion and um, knocked myself out, and then spent about six hours out on the trail confused and, um, and not really sure what I was supposed to do, and it was really um, really <laughs> traumatizing experience but we were able to persevere and the quest came out and got me and, uh, and I was able to get to a hospital and, and uh, ended up you know recovering from from that uh, but it was a real uh, game changer for me uh, for my mushing career and because of that I, I wear a helmet now uh, full-time uh, when I race uh, to help prevent something like that from, from happening again.
0: Wow that sounds scary
1: was it was very scary but um luckily my dogs behaved and and uh and i had enough wherewithal to finally um i hit the button on the tracker and, then, and the race came out uh with some machines and, and picked me up and, and it all ended out being being uh being positive but it was definitely some scary moments
0: what would be one piece of advice you would give to a rookie
1: to a rookie uh, well, I have it tattooed on the side of my arm, and it's, it's a run your own race. Um, that, that is the biggest advice I can give to anybody. You know, I've been doing this for about 15 years now, and I think it's the hardest thing to do is to not focus on your competition, especially if you're a competitive person. You can't really focus on other dog teams on the trail. You need to focus on your own dog team and run your own race and make sure that, that you're taking care of your dogs the way they need to be taken care of and not going and chasing somebody else and following somebody else's schedule we train our dogs all season long and, and, and most teams put together a schedule at the beginning of the race and and uh i think my biggest my biggest uh, advice is for for people to follow through with that and, and run your own race Yeah, this year I did that better than I'd ever done it before in my entire career. I totally ignored my competition. I ran completely my own race. I never let anybody else's moves affect what I did on the trail, and um, it paid off. Uh, I had a really young team this year, and and they uh, excelled uh, because I ran a perfect race, and a race that was uh, to their ability.
0: It's a great piece of advice.
1: Be, it can be used in all aspects of life not just dog mushing you know um you should carve your own trail and, and run your own run your own race slash life
0: <laughs> <laughs> the next part of our show we call lightning round we have five questions you need to answer as quick as you can
1: <laughs> all right
0: you conquest or I iditarod Dukon quest. Favorite
1: musher. Favorite musher, you say? Yes. Uh Lance Mackey. Favorite
0: checkpoint. Uh oh, tough one. Uh man. Boy, that's tough. Um, I'm I'm bad here. Um let's say Dawson City. Hunting or fishing. Team. Favorite dog?
1: Oof. I don't like to play favorites, but silver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this question we were asking all of our guests. If you could go on a sled dog trip with anybody living or dead, who would you choose and why? Um, wow, that's a really good question.
1: I would probably say Joe Reddington's because I got to know his son really well, um, Joe Redington, Joey Reddington. and uh, he was a real good friend of mine. He passed away a couple of years ago, and I got to go on some sled runs with him. But his dad, just from from hearing stories and everything about starting that jet rod and the lifestyle they lived, um, I think that I think that he would be my he would be my choice.
0: Finally, what is your go to song on your iPod?
1: My go to song on the iPod. Um, Aerosmith Living on the Edge.
0: Nice. Actually my grandpa Actually my grandpa listens to that song. <laughs> your grandpa does? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for thank you for taking your time out of your day to talk to us and good luck next year in your request in rod
1: Thank you very much. Hey, if you guys could uh, somehow get, get, um, get the link to where this is going to be showing or send me a copy of it, I'd love to, I'd love to hear your final products. We will. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys.
0: Thanks yep. for following the races. Special thanks to our guest, Brent Sass, for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the I Did Iditarod Trail song. Now enjoy a clip from Brent's favorite song, Living on the Edge by Aerosmith. <laughs>